This episode of Insights is brought to you by MNP Digital, a firm that guides, protects, and empowers organizations along their digital journey. See how at mnpdigital.ca. Welcome to this episode of the Insights Podcast on the Huddle Network. I'm Don Mills. And I'm David Campbell. This podcast features a really great interview uh, with Don Burrell, the CEO of the Nova Scotia Community College. Um, you know, I've known Don for uh, quite a long time. I've done a lot of work with the community college over the years, beginning with Ray Ivany, who was, I think, pretty instrumental in transforming what was really a trade school system into a modern college. And this conversation, I think, really underscores uh, how transformational that change really was, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think, you know, I study post-secondary education and its impact on economic development across Atlantic Canada. And I think the community college system in the region and in Nova Scotia is going to become even more important in the years ahead as we see more retirements from the workforce, but also as we try to grow the population in the years ahead, the college system is going to be a key conduit for new talent. Uh, And so I think the listeners are going to really appreciate uh, what Don has to say, what the college is up to, the work it's doing. It it is quite exciting. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the economic impact of the college. It's a big employer in the region. I think uh, he said 2,000 employees uh, in 17 locations with a budget of uh, over $200 million dollars. And, And by the way, in some communities, they are the largest employer. You know, so it's uh, from an economic point of view, uh, very important to many, especially smaller communities uh, around the region. And I think that a lot of people don't understand sort of their their footprint. Uh, Don mentioned that uh, no one in Nova Scotia is more than a half an hour from one of the, those locations, which means the accessibility of their educational programs, uh, both their full-time programs and their part-time programs is really pretty universal. Yeah, and he said they're they're making a deliberate push on keeping the word community attached with college, and I think that's a really important thing. Again, as you and I have discussed over the over the last year plus, you know, the the a lot of our focus needs to be on places like Yarmouth, and Digby, and Cape Breton, and around Nova Scotia, not just Halifax. We certainly need a strong Halifax and a growing, dynamic Halifax, absolutely. But you also have to think about the rest of the province and the colleges are well positioned to play a role there in terms of turning out labor and helping economic development across Nova Scotia. And this really goes back to the big vision of Ray Ivany. I need to give him a lot of credit. Uh, Don Bureau's done a great job continuing that vision. Uh, but he saw a different role for the institution Um, Certainly one that is uh, more tightly aligned to the job market needs of the province. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've noted in in my work experience with NSCC over the years is, uh, you know, they have really um, gained a lot of reputation across the province for the good work that they're doing. The fact that they're uh, working with industries to identify market needs uh, and trying to respond to those needs is a really important um, contribution to the economy in this province. 
Yes, and what's interesting is that the Nova Scotia was actually a little behind New Brunswick and PEI when it came to the attraction of international students into the college system. So it's really great to hear Don uh, talk about how they're now attracting a lot of international students. I think it's going to be key because one of the real barriers to immigrant integration into the workforce has been the lack of a Canadian education. So many of them now are coming with university degrees and actually taking a college course and then integrating into the workforce that way. And it's a very good conduit for the newcomer population. So I'm really glad to see uh, they're ramping up uh, uh, international students. I think moving forward, it'll, it'll continue to be a, a large share uh, of the student population across Atlantic Canada. I'm also uh, you know, interested in, in, the, in the continuing collaboration between universities and colleges. I'm, you know, uh, there was, used to be a stigma related to the community colleges being less, less uh, than universities. I think that is slowly eroding, you know, as, in, as our conversation pointed out, many people are getting, um, you know, post-secondary uh, education at universities and then continuing on uh, to the programming at NSCC um, to get uh, more practical training for the job market. And uh, their numbers are spectacular in terms of job placement in jobs that people are being trained for, um, you know, retention of people in Nova Scotia. I think, I think you said 90% of their graduates remain in Nova Scotia, most within the communities and where they have been uh, educated. So that's amazing and a great contribution um, again to, to the province. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love some of the innovative things they're doing. For example, they're building new student uh, housing uh, on campus uh, around the province. That's a key need. You know, the, the lack of housing is not only related to normal houses. All, there's a, also a lack of housing for students in many parts of Nova Scotia. So ensuring that there's enough places for students to live is another key part of the puzzle. We need to mention also the strong support of the Nova Scotia government. If it wasn't for the support of the Nova Scotia government to invest heavily in, uh, you know, in, in infrastructure initially and ongoing support for operational and capital needs, uh, you know, the uh, college system in Nova Scotia would not be where it is today. And, they, and different uh, stripes of government have, have, uh, have supported the, the community college. And, and, we're, and we're seeing that, you know, <laughs> with the premier's goal of doubling the population to 2 million, we're going to need the community college to be even play an even bigger role in meeting the uh, needs of the job market. We're going to have to start finding some pessimists to interview. Uh, uh, the listeners I will know. find that, that Don is incredibly optimistic about the future, not only of the college, but of the province in general. So I think we're going to have to start finding some old curmudgeons to, to interview here in the future, Don. <laughs> well, with that uh, introduction, uh, here's our conversation with Don Bureau. Don, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, gentlemen. It's great to be here. Uh, let's begin by finding out a little bit about your career path that has led you to your current role as CEO of the NSCC. Can you tell us about that path? Yeah, you know, I, I began my career as, a, as an accountant, uh, had a great number of years with KPMG, pursuing what I thought was a, a, a life in the world of public accountancy and um, fell in love with the world of education. You know, I, I made a switch from the public practice world to Acadia, where I was able to teach and work in the Center for Entrepreneurship. And that's, 
that gave me an opportunity to quite frankly travel around the world and see different education systems. A number of years ago, I came to uh, NSCC and just have found a home here at the college. Yeah, that's an interesting background. Actually, I, I, I don't think I knew that. Um, and pretty well suited to your current job, for sure. Uh, we're going to yeah. talk a little bit about entrepreneurism a little bit later. But uh, uh, really, the Nova Scotia Community College has been uh, transformed over the past 20 years, initially, I guess, under the leadership of Ray Ivney and now under your leadership. Um, a lot of people don't know that story. Can you tell us about the transformation and why it is important to Nova Scotia? Yeah, you know, back in the day when Ray was our president, he, he had this big, bold, and, and brave vision of what Nova Scotia needed as we turned the century. And as Ray looked around the world, he saw other jurisdictions that were blessed with the duality of post-secondary education. They had wonderful universities, and they also had a great college system. And he realized that Nova Scotia had but just one of those. We were blessed with 10 world-class universities, but in many ways, uh, an outdated and uh, some ways an unloved and unrecognized uh, college system. It wasn't that good programming wasn't happening, but it had to be updated. So Ray, through um, a number of pioneers and explorers back in the late 1990s, presented uh, this vision for a modern college that would be accessible, that would be pan-provincial, and that would focus on the economy of tomorrow an economy that recognized that human capital would become one of the most important inputs for an emerging economy. So what did that result in? That resulted first in a, a significant investment, and we can explore that a bit more in a minute, but that was the game changer for us. When the provincial government decided to make a major economic investment into our institution, and also uh, the government allowed us to become a board-governed independent organization that allowed us to be much more flexible and responsive. You fast forward time, I'm very proud of the role that we have fulfilled both in community and with industry to be that partner to make sure that our province has the human capital it needs uh, to be competitive in a new global global economy. It's been, a, it's been a heck of a ride and I'm, I'm so honored to be part of it. Don, I'm not sure our listeners understand the economic impact of the Nova Scotia Community College uh, system. It's yeah. a major economic engine in terms of its employment and its spending in the province uh, on, on educational services. Can you give us a little sense of what your annual budget is and what percentage of that budget is represented by uh, wages and salaries and, and how many staff the college yeah. has? That's a great question, David. I, I think people would see in their community a, a campus, but they tend to forget that's part of a much larger system. In fact, we have 17 locations in the province. And with those 17 locations comes an annual budget of about $220 million. So that's significant in those smaller communities where we employ close to 2,000 people in the province. Of course, that's across all 17 locations. Um, those 2,000 employees represent about 72 to 73% of our budget. Um, I'm proud that they're, they're good jobs, they're secure jobs, and they're jobs that, that make a difference. They have a, they have a major impact at the community level. We we're proud to say that we're one college, 17 locations strong. So it allows us to be consistent, but also locally adaptable to what the local communities need. So we would say that we are uh, not only an economic beacon, but also a beacon for people to come and find uh, solutions to their life. So I'm, I'm very, very pleased with the economic impact that we have. Yeah. Do you know how much of your annual budget is spent on goods and services purchased in the province? 
Well, that, that, that's a great question, and I, I don't have the exact figure, but it's significant. It is significant. You know, we, we, we are proud of that word community in our name. There are 150 colleges in Canada. There are about 100 universities. The post-secondary sector represents about 250 public organizations. Unfortunately, many of the college have dropped that word community from their name. For us, we're actually highlighting it and underlining and making it even bolder because we believe that that intersectionality between a post-secondary institution and the community that we serve, those lines have to be blurred. And a big part of that is procurement. You know, we want to support our local industry as much as we can. So we make a concerted effort to, to support local, uh, to buy local, and, um, and, and to hire as much as we can in the local area. Have you ever done any formal economic impact studies of your economic impact? Yeah, I actually, I, I thought you might ask me that question. And uh, so I, I have, and I happen to have being the accountant in me, I have some numbers at my fingertips here. So yeah, so back in, you know, a few years ago, uh, just before the pandemic, we, um, we, we contracted with a group called the, the Economic Modeling Specialist International, or EMSI. And they're an international group, David, that, that focuses on this. They, they, they have a, a methodology in which they can study and evaluate and assess the economic impact that post-secondary institutions have on their jurisdiction. And the numbers were impressive. The numbers that came back, for example, the, the research showed us that, that more than $1.8 billion in a single year was contributed to the Nova Scotia economy by both NSCC proper, our, our corporate structure, but also our students, the impact that students have on the economy. And that's an important one. You know, we, we, we exist because we want to produce the human capital, as I said, for the economy. Uh, approximately 87 to 90% of our students <clears throat> excuse me, are working within six months of graduation within their field of study. And about 90% of those employed graduates are working in the province of Nova Scotia. And even more impressive, a large percentage are working within, within the county or the next county in which they studied. So we tend to have students who study in their community, who live in their community, study in their community and work in their community. And that's, a, that's an important provincial economic driver. A couple other, um, couple other points that, uh, you know, we do, uh, we're blessed with the support of our provincial government on our $220 million budget. We receive a very um, helpful and significant operating grant from the provincial government. And that's important to us. You want to make sure that the million shareholders of Nova Scotia uh, see a return on that investment. And we're happy to say that, again, the numbers I have in front of me now show a 17.2% return on the investment that Nova Scotia makes into the Nova Scotia Community College. And again, those numbers are not unimportant to us. We take the notion of accountability very, very seriously. There's a couple other quick, uh, quick numbers. Um, one in 24 jobs in Nova Scotia, David, are supported by the activity of NSCC, one in 24. So we would have, um, you know, you, you think about your day, you get up in the morning and all the things, all the interactions you'd have in your day, taking your car to the garage, going to the hospital for a, for a, a radiology scan, um, going to a pharmacy to have a prescription filled. Every one of those contacts, I would guarantee you, that has had an NSCC graduate in it. And finally... We know that our students, um, um, it's a significant investment uh, to go and invest in post-secondary education, and you expect to return on investment. So just lastly, we know that uh, students who invest in their education receive about a 13.3% rate of return on that investment. So, so those numbers are, are important. We keep an eye on them, and they, and they help guide us going forward.
You mentioned earlier the uh, commitment of the provincial government um, to support uh, the transformation of the of the college. Uh, there was a major that began with a major capital investment of over a hundred million dollars a number of years ago. I can't remember the actual date of that. Yeah. Um, that helped build the uh, new Ivany campus in Dartmouth and upgraded many of your other campuses uh, across the province. What impact did that big investment have on the college at that yeah. time? Don, that, that, that was an absolute game changer for us. Do you think there was a time when the type of education being delivered by a college was almost thought as, as unfortunately, almost second class? And, and, and with that came this notion that the infrastructure didn't have to be perhaps as, as top quality as perhaps we would have liked. That all changed. Like that, that changed with the, the investment that you speak to. It was a $123 million investment back in 2002, 2003. And that investment created a number of both tangible and intangible benefits. Tangibly, it really helped us build the structure of the organization. To your point, we built the brand new campus in Dartmouth, the Ivany campus, but we also were able to update, upgrade, facelift every single campus in the system. And and while you know now it's it's still now we talk about virtual learning and online learning, but I gotta tell you, place still matters. And when students can come to a bright, safe, vibrant learning environment, they just they just walk differently, and they just uh, they, they they think differently. So so the structure had to be updated, and I would put our infrastructure up against any, quite frankly, in North America right now. As much as it helped the tangible structure, Don, it also helped the intangible soul of the organization. It, it, it resulted in people feeling very proud that the province of Nova Scotia deemed worthy an investment in an education system that at times was forgotten, and it was brought to the forefront, to the streets, to the curbside, that these institutions were modern, they were advanced, they were technologically in line with where the economy was going. So I would sum it up by saying it was an investment in structure, in soul, that was a game changer, and in many ways has allowed us to be ranked in, in, in the top echelon now of colleges in, in North America. I'll just finish off by saying this, I think you'll find this interesting. Ray always said, when Ray was here, he always said, we're about 50 years behind the rest of the country when it comes to college education, but we have one generation to catch up and exceed it. And by God, we did it. Like, like we did it. Uh, just as an aside, I wanted to mention that, um, you know, uh, while I owned my own company, we did a lot of work with NSCC, and I think the yeah. company continues to do work uh, uh, post uh, my sale. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that people may not recognize is the reputational change that happened to the institution over the this period of transformation uh, the reputation of community college is really very very favorable um you know and it shows how the change uh has been widely accepted uh, by the population i think that's really important you you touched on it in your last uh, um, response there but I, I i wanted to mention that uh you know you you have the highest of reputations at the moment well, Don, if we just pull that string just for one minute, if we may, the research that your former organization did under its former name of CRA did a great series of focus groups for us at one time. And there was a high school student top of this class. I love this story. And he was all set to go to NSCC. He did, actually. And he came. He has a great career now. But he said to us, he said, you know, you have to make it okay for me to go to NSCC. 
And that just hit us. We said, what do you mean? And he said, I've done my research. I know you have good programming, but it's not okay in the eyes of my guidance counselor and my teacher and my parents and my friends. So with your previous company's help, we focused on this notion of, of the three R's. We had to become a recognized, respected, and relevant member of the post-secondary sector in the province of Nova Scotia. And a big part of that was working collaboratively with our university partners. And now there's a tremendous partnership where we have faculty moving back and forth, students moving back and forth. So that reputation has been vitally important to us. The provincial government has continued, obviously, to invest in capital improvements. I mean, they're, they, they've been all in. Um, yeah. I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, how much uh, the government is providing in uh, financial support in the current fiscal years for both operating and, and capital improvements, just to give a little bit of an idea about that continuing support, if you could. Yeah, look, we're, we're, we're very appreciative of that. Um, uh, we've been we've been blessed by every um, uh, shape and form and color of our provincial government who recognize the importance of a, a vibrant post-secondary college in the province. So I mentioned earlier our annual budget's about $220 million, and that's we look at that budget through the lens, Don, of accessibility. We want to make sure that we are here to democratize post-secondary education. And you democratize post-secondary education by making it accessible for people and create that pathway. And one major way of one major form of accessibility is geographical location. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're proud to have 17 locations. Uh, 95 plus percent of Nova Scotians live within a half an hour's drive of an access point to NSCC. So that's, that's accessibility. Mm-hmm. We have to be accessibility also from a cost point of view. And the provincial government and their investment of approximately 140 to $150 million a year of operating dollars allows us to keep our tuition. It's, it's still a lot of money. I understand that, but it's, 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 um, it's an, it's an affordable range. We think the combination of bursaries and scholarships for those who are low income students, um, that allows us to keep our tuition quite low and accessible. From a capital point of view, uh, that varies. That varies depending on the the needs of the organization. I can say that during the past couple of years, during COVID, uh, we've had to make some capital changes with the changing nature of learning and the changing nature of work that the provincial government once again has recognized the value of the institution to help. And one area that we're really doubling down on right now is student housing. Uh, With affordable housing being a major impediment now to students pursuing post-secondary education, we recognize that we can be part of the solution. So you may have heard recently that that we have announced uh, the building of new on-campus residences for our for our students. We'll be doing that one here in Halifax, one in New Glasgow. Um, we are building um, actually two here in Halifax and one in New Glasgow. Last year we just opened up one in Port Hawkesbury and one in um, Lawrencetown, and we've always had one in Truro. So we're up. We'll be up to six residences at our major campuses. And, we, and look, they, they, you put them online, they fill up just like that. So um, <laughs> important part of access. That's absolutely fantastic. I know that's a real challenge across Atlantic Canada. Student housing is becoming yeah. a real issue, particularly outside of the large urban centers. Appreciate, Don, that you, you're talking about the importance of community. Don Mills and I are very interested in economic development. That's sort of an overarching theme of this podcast. And, of course, in Nova Scotia, Halifax is booming but not necessarily the rest of the province. So we'll be talking in a minute about how you're focused on addressing labor market needs 
but I did want to ask you a little bit about your enrollment levels. How many students are currently enrolled um, at uh, the Nova Scotia Community College? Yeah, so we have a target each year of students pursuing a full-time credential of uh, 10,650. That's kind of the model in which we've been operating. That model, the pie stays the same, but the allocation changes. So we may open up a couple new programs in one campus and sunset some another. But that's the, that's the, and above that, we have any one year 10, 12, 14,000 more students. And that number varies, and that number would include everything from general interest, someone may want to come in and learn about beekeeping, for example, to courses that would include industry, um, Transport Canada courses for folks pursuing a career in the marine industry or the fishing industry that could be a week long or two, week long, two weeks long. So the, the model has dramatically changed from the days gone by when, when learning happened from a Monday to Friday, from kind of 9 to 4, uh, September to April. Uh, we are moving much more into a 12 month of the year, seven day a week. I wouldn't say 24 hour a day, but some of our campus are in fact open 24 hours a day to allow students to access technology at different times. So that that pie, the 10650 has remained quite constant. It's the other kind of just in time, short courses, micro credentials that we see that's increasing quite a bit. Uh, the other phenomenon that we're seeing also is an increased interest by international students. Uh, the Nova Scotia Community College last year welcomed uh, students from over 72 countries to study at NSCC. And that would be something that people would be surprised with, I think. Um, and while we don't, um, we don't recruit internationally, uh, we've had great success, quite frankly, through word of mouth and international projects. We have folks today in Tanzania doing a project with local colleges that will result, I'm sure, in, in interest coming back to Nova Scotia. I'll just finish off by, by saying that that we see that as much as a, an enrollment strategy as it is an immigration strategy. We know that when students come, they live in a small community, they're welcomed in that small community, they want to stay in that small community, we want to be part of that. So you have 17 locations across the province. Yeah. Uh, what enrollment trends are you experiencing? Are some campuses struggling, others booming? Um, how are, what are yeah. your... What are your observations about what's going on across your network? In Nova well, look, there's, there's certainly no doubt about it. There's a there's a gravitational pull for Halifax. Demand is strong here in the city for all of our campuses. Because of that mandate is a, is a pan-provincial mandate, we don't deem one campus to certainly be more important than the other. Um, and we have this saying, uh, you know, when I used to be in the world of entrepreneurship and small business development, I heard a, I taught in Russia for a little while, and, and there was a prof there who uh, who said to me, Don, never forget that a small business is not a little big business. Hmm. It's an interesting concept. So you just can't take IBM principles and apply it to a small computer shop. They're just fundamentally different beasts. And that's true for us. You know, you can't, a, 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 little, a small campus is not a little big campus. So while you'll have our largest campus in Dartmouth being the Ivany campus with over 3,000 kind of full-time students going there every single day, plus, 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 one of our smaller campuses like Shelburne uh, is no less important to that community, even though the numbers are much smaller. And the nature of the work that that community uh, gets from that campus would be different. There'd be much more general interest, much more shorts, uh, focus, kind of snappy courses happening in Shelburne than perhaps in uh, 
in, uh, in, in, in Dartmouth. So the strategy that we have, and again, I, I should say that we're a bit of a unique model. Some, most provinces do not have a single college system. Ontario has 24 separate colleges, for example. There are 24 presidents, there are 24 boards, and that allows them to have an individual institution specialize in a certain area. We're a single system where parts of us may have to specialize in a certain area. And that's what we ask the Shelburne's of the world to do. Uh, so yeah, so are they struggling? Again, I, I don't, I don't mean polyannic, but I wouldn't use the term struggling. I would use the term that we need to be entrepreneurial and innovative and, and, and meet those communities where they are and help provide solutions. At the end of the day, we're here for the mandate that's in our act. And the mandate is to build the economy and quality of education of Nova Scotia through education and innovation. And that allows us to do quite a broad swath of programming and still meet our mandate. I always like to say that the difference between university and the college is that college is really focused on preparing students for actual jobs in the workplace. And uh, universities are in the business of education. <laughs> that may be a bit too harsh, but uh, one uh, you've already mentioned the percentage of students that end up working quickly after graduation is very high number. Yeah. You've got a very high number, uh, I didn't realize this, staying in their own communities or close by, and a high number staying in Nova Scotia overall. That, that yeah. Those are really great metrics, it seems to me, for what you do. And, and more people need to know that, Don. I, I think people would be very impressed with those numbers. And, and by the way, just as an aside, this is maybe something interesting as well. Uh, both my daughter, Lindsay, and her, her husband, Sean, went to the community college after graduating from university yeah. uh, to get PR training. In fact, that's where they met. And, yeah. I, and, and, and I think that that's, that's something a lot of people don't understand, that actually yeah. the college is becoming more of an after-university yeah. programming option for a lot of kids because they recognize that the training is so practical and it helps them lead them into their field of interest. And uh, uh, I wonder if you just could comment on that a little bit and, and, and the trend that you're seeing in that regard. Would love to. I think, Don, you and I are so much alike, again, being an accountant and, and given your career, I, I do tend to think in numbers and they mean something to me. So stats and percentages mean a lot. I'm gonna, throw, I'm gonna answer your question, but just throw a couple quick things at you. The average age of a student at NSCC is about 26 or 28. So our mm. students tend to be a little bit older um, they tend to have issues in their life or opportunities in their lives that are different than maybe a 20-year-old. They tend to have a mortgage, maybe a child or two, um, aging parents, which are becoming an increased level of responsibility for them. So that tends to create a bit more of a stickiness in their communities, which we, which we love. And because of that stickiness, we want to give them the skills to make that community as prosperous as possible. But a couple other key ones that we are seeing, you're absolutely right, we're seeing a much higher percentage of our students who have some level of post-secondary education before they come to us. Um, it could be as high as 50% and 60%, whether they're university complete or, or what they're doing, which is fascinating, is they're implicitly contracting with us in a different way. They're saying to us, I want to bundle. I want to package. I want to have a university and college experience. You figure out how that can happen. So that's why we're so interested in working with universities to allow that kind of transparency and that fluidity for students to flow back and forth. We, 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 I fundamentally think, and I have three children who have been in both, and, and they fundamentally, um, I don't want to say they're a better product, but they're, they're a better human capital unit, if you will, of the experience, the breadth of post-secondary education. 
Another stat that's very interesting, if you would believe it, almost 40% of our students, I, I just love this one, almost 40% of our students are the first people in their family ever to go to post-secondary education. So when you think about transforming a province, and we like to say we're transforming Nova Scotia one learner at a time, the anecdotal stories that I hear about a family unit where a parent with children who are 8, 12, 14 years old graduate, the parent graduates from NSCC, and their biggest cheerleaders, their biggest fans are those children who are saying, Mom, Dad, my goodness, I knew you could do it. What that does in our hearts, it creates a role model imperative that's just vastly different. The conversation at the kitchen table changes when a parent has experienced post-secondary education in terms of education. So that's another stat that we're very, very proud of. And I guess the last thing that I'll say is that you know our connection with industry has just, just skyrocketed. So the learning doesn't only happen in a university classroom or a college lab, what I call from the classroom door in, the learning also happens from the classroom door out. And that has to be experiential learning, work integrated learning, co-ops, interns. So if you think about the triad of universities, college, and workplace kind of um, on the job training, those three things coming together, again, gentlemen, I would put us up against any jurisdiction in this country. I want to talk a little bit about your programming. You you currently have about 140 programs, I believe. Um, the thing that uh, that the college does, it, it does work uh, closely with business and industries to identify labor force needs. This is a really important role that you play in the province. Uh, can you tell us how NSCC continues to evolve its education programs to meet the needs of the job market? Yeah, so I'm going to begin with just the academic discipline and rigor that's required to make sure that our programs are relevant, they're recognized, and they're respected, those three areas I talked about earlier, from both the industry point of view and the student point of view. So each program has a three-year, five-year evaluation cycle that we measure employment rates and we, in, and we measure enrollment rates. So that is a, that's an engine, that's a flywheel that's happening all the time. And in that process, Don, what we're looking at is economic trends, community trends, um, for, um, you know, we've, we've been highly guided by the Ivany report over the past eight years in terms of the calls to action there. Obviously, now the, the doubling down on healthcare has resulted in us in being very kind of adaptable and flexible to respond to that. So we would work in what we call professional advisory or program advisory committees or PACS, P-A-C-S, uh, to make sure that we are hearing uh, firsthand from our industry um, partners and leaders of what they think they need for human capital. Look, you, you gentlemen would know this. When you ask the local business community in Nova Scotia what keeps you up at night, the number one topic traditionally and currently and will be going forward. Uh, I say traditionally, I should say recently, recently has been, will I have the human capital that I need to succeed in this market? Um, traditionally, it wasn't that case. We know that there was a, a plethora of available labor in years gone by, but recently that's changed. So that kind of feedback is vitally important for us. But you know, what's what's even more fascinating is as much as the future of learning is changing, the future of work has dramatically changed in the past couple of years, as we know. And probably one of the largest unexpected outcomes of COVID has been the transformation of, of work. And I say that because we're going to have to prepare our students now more than ever to be nimble, to be flexible, to be lifelong learners. 
because that that career cycle is going to just get quicker and quicker and quicker. Um, so there's a duality there, both the technical skills they need to graduate, but the success skills and career that they need to graduate with. So, Don, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your focus on jobs in demand. The premier has said he wants 2 million people living in Nova Scotia by 2060. You have record levels of people exiting the workforce now through retirement every year. We're seeing record levels of immigration. I was just looking at the numbers uh, yesterday. Nova Scotia is on track to attract 13,000 permanent residents in 2022. If the first quarter numbers hold up, Yes, I saw that. There'll be 13,000 new PRs in Nova Scotia in one year. So you're looking at sort of record levels of population growth now. There's there's a tremendous demand. What that will mean is the workforce will double in size by 2060. So I guess the question for you is, 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 well, I, I guess partly it's are you ready for this sort of boom in population and labor market? And what are the jobs in demand that your the college is trying to focus on to to uh, react to what's going on in the broader market here? Look, David, no doubt about it. That's an exciting aspirational goal of two million people, but it's a bit daunting to be to be honest. Are we ready? Well, I will say this: that this organization was built on a premise of being nimble, flexible, and responsive. Uh, again, I deserve no credit for that. The pioneers of the day, Ray and his team, said we need to have a have an organization that can expand and contract very quickly. And look, we've done that a number of times. We've we've been approached by our government partners to say that we need 300 more of this and we need it by this time next year. And within a week, we're up and operating and delivering on that promise. So so can we do it? Yes, we can. I I, I do. I do think we can. And with the advent of just advancements and the use of technology, and we can bring a rich and vibrant learning experience to the most rural parts of Nova Scotia and have people get the skills that they need. Um, but it's going to take a wholesome response to that. That that that's going to resp- that's going to require us to make sure that we do have the affordable housing for the additional population gains that we're going to have, access to healthcare. So this is really an all hands on deck. So what we're finding now is that we are at tables not only with post-secondary partners, but with all partners in the community and asking ourselves, how can we be part of the settlement solution for new immigrants? And often, often one of the first places that new immigrants look to is how can I gain local skills that I need to be successful in this kind of new economy that they're coming into? So it's not uncommon for us to be in a, in a learning situation where you have a, a father and a son or a mother and a daughter in a, in a classroom learning, learning a skill. For us, we have to make that normal. We have to make that comfortable. We have to create soft landings. Mm. And while this is important, the pedagogical belief that we have is that while every student must meet consistent outcomes, we recognize they may start at different places to get to those outcomes. And our saying is you meet a learner where they are. You have to meet them where they are and bring them and bring them along. So so I'm confident because of those philosophical underpinnings that we have. And the last thing that I'll say is that we just have to continue to focus on creating opportunities for everyone to participate in the economy. We just need more hands on deck. People sitting on the sidelines is no longer an option. Socially, it's wrong. Economically, it's an imperative that we have people coming off the sidelines into the economy. Uh, So, Don, the college works with individual companies to respond to their labor needs. For example, you have worked with Irving Shipbuilding on specific job skill requirements. Can you tell us about your work with Irving and uh, with uh, uh, company-specific training? 
Yeah, so great, look, great question. A really important part of our business is to to work with whether it's an individual company like Irving or a sector, uh, the boat building sector, for example. You know, their 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 skilled labor needs is changing when when technology changes. They need to be kept up to speed, kept up to date on the skills. So we have staff who would work and know those industries very very well and then come back and work with our academic and curriculum folks to design programming for those companies, whether it's on site, like you were doing with Irving, or coming into locations at the, at the college. What we're also finding is that uh, those organizations are looking to us to help with applied research. So they're helping, they're looking for us to, to solve real world problems with our, our uh, faculty and our students. And we have this model called RAFT, R-A-F-T, which is research as a form of teaching. So all of our research that we do contributes to the learning of both the staff of the organization or our, or, or our students. And if it's not, if it doesn't have a learning component to it, then that's not the type of research that we that we want to do. I'd like to talk just a little bit about uh, your efforts to promote entrepreneurism, which is a big topic, obviously, across the region and in Nova Scotia. Can you just tell us about your efforts in that regard, Don? You know, I, I just have an absolute belief and passion for for the need for people to recognize and reach their entrepreneurial potential. And what I've come to realize is that the old definition or the old question, Don, of do you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? is a flawed question because that suggests that there's a textbook definition of what an entrepreneur is. And our research and our work has found that many people were being very entrepreneurial, but weren't quite like that textbook definition. So we've turned the question around and we basically said to our students, uh, not do you have what it takes, but simply ask what type of entrepreneur do you want to be? And then we try to wrap our arms around them to help develop those skills and pursue those passions that they have. Secondly, what we've done is we've said entrepreneurship should not solely rest in our school of business. We believe entrepreneurship exists in all 140 programs that we have. And how you exhibit an entrepreneurial spirit, how you manifest that, could be the opening of a small business. It could be actually the traditional, you know, the old idea of entrepreneurship, working in a business and in a department. You know, I, I, I would fancy myself as a very entrepreneurial person. Um, but with that doesn't come me running my own business. I have the honor of being the president of a large organization. So what we've done is we've created a program called the YES program, and YES stands for Your Entrepreneurial Self. And we have people try to spend time in an inward-looking exercise to figure out what their personal passions and values are and find an entrepreneurial outlet for that. Because of that, we have projects, we have teams, we're part of uh, many national competitions against, you know, four-year programs, and we are just, we're just smoking, like we're just smoking, yeah. Uh, just a couple other questions before we, um, we uh, sign off here. What are the most uh, significant challenges facing the college looking ahead, Don? Certainly, again, making sure that we are that, that continued solution for a very, ambitious agenda for provincial government. I said earlier that I'm convinced that we're able to, to step up and, and, and be that solution uh, for immigration and economic and business development. Um, but that doesn't come with those challenges. You know, growth change is a, is a, is a term that, that we have to manage very well. 
The thing that I will say is that we tend to be looked upon as a provider of human capital for the economy. We're also a demander. Like we, we, we need great people to come work at NSCC. And we've been very fortunate to have that. But as the job market becomes even more competitive, we need to be mindful that we have to be an employer of choice. We need to be a, a destination place for people to come and, 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 and give their gifts and their, and their skills to, to pursue a higher, a higher calling. Um, and I guess the last thing that I will that I will stay up at night at, thinking about Don is how will we provide an opportunity for everyone who wants to pursue a different life? And there are so many people in our province who unfortunately are still facing major barriers. How do we get those barriers down? Whether it's poverty, whether it's people coming from certain marginalized communities, that's my life's work: removing those barriers. And then finally, I mean, we always like to ask this question of everybody. Uh, you know, you're an optimistic person. I, I I know you're optimistic about the future yeah. and uh, and and you know your ability to meet the changing labor market. But you know, you know, give me a sense of how you feel about where the province is going right now, based on your your position. Look, I and I, I mean this. So authentically, in the bottom of my heart, I am optimistic, and I and I, I and I just I really am. Why? You know, the world is in the midst right now of this thing that we call the fourth industrial revolution. That intersectionality of big data and analytics and robotics, and part of this revolution that makes it unique is that place matters less. And the first revolution where we captured steam, the second one we captured electricity, the third one we captured the microchip place was still a major disadvantage for Nova Scotia. We couldn't compete with the best in the world, but now because of the, one of the major inputs is human capital. And we can have our human capital in Nova Scotia competing with any jurisdiction in the world. God, th th this is our moment. This is our time and I'm seeing it. So I get optimistic because we have now one of the, we, we have the ability to have one of the most significant inputs of, of production being human capital in a way that we can compete with anybody in the world. And as I say, that gets me jazzed. Well, Don, you know, thanks very much for being on the Insights Podcast and helping us better understand the important work of the Nova Scotia Community College. I think I said this to Ray Ivany when I first started working with him. You know, the college has a, a, a reputation that it is a mile wide and an inch deep. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's continues to be yeah. a bit of a challenge. You're still a bit of an unknown story, I think, for a lot of Nova Scotians. Mm -hmm. And this has helped, I think, uh, put some detail around that. And uh, we want to wish you continued success in your work. Look, thank you so, so much. And I appreciate the opportunity to share the stories of the college. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the latest episode of the Huddle Insights Podcast. Mark Legere helped produce this episode. You can follow the show and listen to past episodes on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend the show to a friend. Don and David will be back again next week. This episode of Insights was brought to you by MNP Digital, a firm that guides, protects, and empowers organizations along their digital journey. See how at mnpdigital.ca.